This is the Kineo Equipping Podcast. All right, guys. Hey, we are going to uh, begin here in a couple seconds. My wife, Emily, and I are excited to be back with you a couple weeks after uh, the first time. And so today, uh, I feel like there's a little bit of tension in the room because everyone else we're, we're talking about, right? And so, uh, which, which is great. Uh, we're talking about sex today. And ideally, this is your fourth week of marriage class. And so you've been looking at what the Bible has to say and how the gospel applies to marriage, whether you're engaged or whether you've been married for, you know, 30, 40 years. And so after today, you should be experts and your marriages should be perfect. Right? I mean, absolutely perfect. Now, in all reality, you guys know that's not the case, right? But the more we can have God's word inform our lives, including our marriages and how we relate to our spouses and how I carry myself as a husband and her as a wife, uh, the better off we're going to be. And marriage is something where you don't ever conquer it. You don't get to a certain age like, oh, figured it out. It's something you keep fighting for. It's something you keep pursuing. It's something you keep investing time, energy, um, in as an individual and also as, as, a, as a couple. And it's just really fun to see how God's word can change and impact marriages over time. Right, and so you're gonna be done after this class. This isn't like an end all be all, but hopefully you've learned something, you've heard something, you've opened God's word in a way and talked about it together in a way. It's like th- this is helping propel our marriage forward in a good way. So that's the hope. And today is maybe, I don't know, the best or most awkward, depending on how you look at it, topic we'll talk about. And so we're going to dive in to sex in marriage. And how many of you, just to be honest, read the chapter four this week? Chapter eight. I see eight. some couples looking at you like, no, 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 no. Totally fine. I would encourage you to go back, if you have not, read chapter eight, because there's some awesome stuff in here. And it kind of spurs on our discussion and the content found in this section. But with that said, I would love to... Uh, just have you guys think for a couple seconds, like what was the main thing or the most impactful thing that you read in chapter eight? I love a handful of people just to kind of share with the group and get things rolling this morning. You got something, Jordan? Great. I listened to it too. Did anything stand out? That's what I'm trying to figure out. Don't call so me out. It was a good chapter. Though. Yeah, it's so great. It's great. So, generally speaking, it was a good chapter. Does anyone have something more specific? Yes. I think what stood out to me is your body's not your own. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, first of all, marriage is just countercultural in and of itself. Sexual marriage, the same thing, right? But. In everything else we do, it seems like, or everything else we're a part of, it almost seems like people are urging us to do everything you can do to find yourself, to do everything you can do uh, to fulfill yourself, and it's all about you. It's like, yeah, that's not the case in biblical marriage, and especially when it comes to sex. So, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Give me uh, one or two more things. Good morning, guys. That impacted you from Chapter 8 of Keller's book. Yeah, that's good. It's like let's let's do it all the time then, right? I mean, yeah. So, according to what Keller wrote, like it, it, it's a physical and emotional and spiritual way to continually renew your marriage covenant. I, I like that too. I like that too. Maybe give me one more thing from the chapter that you read. Yes. 
Yeah, I, I think I was impacted quite a bit by, at the very beginning, he kind of laid out, these are different uh, views of sex, right? And so um, one was like, sex can be an appetite. So well, it's just an appetite that I have to feed, similar to I'm hungry, I have to feed that appetite, right? And then also uh, there, there was the sex is dirty, right? No, it's, it's dirty, you don't talk about it, you don't, I mean, it's just kind of a means to an end. You just, it, it's a means to have more babies, basically. And then there was, sex is like, oh, it's just acceptable. It's everywhere. Do it whenever you can. Do it as much as you can. Do it with whoever you can. And then the fourth one was, was biblical marriage, right? Sex is supposed to be had in the confines of marriage between husband and wife. And so I appreciated how he really kind of expanded on those. Just, just curious. Some of you are young. Some of you aren't, which is fine. Uh, was there ever a point where you viewed sex as something other than like the biblical definition and purpose and meaning of sex. Whether it was a couple years ago, whether it was before you read this book, whether like just Do you want hands. them to raise their hands? Right? Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> the reality is is I think depending on how you used to view sex or even how, how you view sex today you probably made choices and have done things or not done things <clears throat> that the consequences of those might still to some degree be being seen or being experienced. And so I just want to say before we dive in that no matter what your sexual history is, uh, God's grace can cover that. Now that's true in the past, it's true moving forward. All that to say uh, the biblical design for sex is incredibly important, and you still have to live with the consequences of decisions and actions that you make and take, right? And so this is a fairly, fairly big deal. Got any input before we dive into I would say sex? consequences of decisions you've made and maybe some that you didn't make. Sure. You know. So, like, expand on that. Well, I just think growing up, you know, what's been fed to you or just even situations of abuse or something like that, you know. That's all something that you're, things that you're going to come in with. So, I don't know. We just talked a lot about, like, we could share a lot of our, I mean, I, there's really no awkward with me. But I just, we, our situation is going to be so different than other people's situations. So, I love that this is set up in a way that, like, this is God's design for marriage. And it may be helpful to hear some specific stories or what. But, um, yeah, I just know that everybody comes in with a different story. And, and, and the reality is with, with this, yeah, I was talking to a couple before this, and I was like, I feel like we can share communication issues or conflict issues. And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally know what, what, what you're saying there. I Like that, that completely makes sense. But I feel like some sexual examples, like, ah, I don't know what you're talking about. Right? And so what we're going to do and is we're, we're not going to. probably yeah, relate some well to, yeah, babe. Some so that probably can't. But we're not going to dive into, like, every single nuance today, but we do want to open it up for questions at, at the end. And I think one of the best things we can do for you today is just paint a clear biblical picture of what sex is and what sex isn't. And then my advice to you is if you have issues or if you have questions or if you have concerns, we will go to talk with you through those or about those. But my guess is that not everyone's super comfortable to share in a room this size. And so my advice to you would be don't just like suppress that and don't just put it underneath but rather like, ah, we'll deal with that way. No, like deal with it, just like conflict, sooner rather than later. And one of our elders, our elders' wives, your connection group leaders, whoever I think would love to at least engage you or begin to engage you. And if they can help you out, that'd be awesome. But if they can't, they can 
you know, give it to one of us or have one of our wives or the elders meet with you and help you walk through some of those things. And that would be a healthy, very good thing. Right? So I'm going to put that out there right now. If you're like, God, they didn't talk about what I wanted to talk about. It's like, we'd love to talk to you about it later or else bring that to one of our attention and we'd love to dive into you specifically with that situation with regards to sex. Sweet. So with that said, you guys had some reading out of God's <coughs> Word before uh, this class. And so I would love to just revisit some of those passages and add some commentary to some of those things. But the first text that we looked at was Hebrews 13.4. And it's actually in your binder. It's one verse. And so, uh, Matt, would you mind reading that for us today? It's in, yeah, it's, and it's, it's also in your binder if you don't want to look it up. Matt's like, how fast can I flip to this cheapers? <laughs> and here's your first test of the day. Uh, Hebrews. Half, halfway down the page Hebrews 13.4. Do you have it or do we just have it? Oh, sorry. We have the cheat sheet, Trick so question. we don't have Trick to look question. it up. Matt's like. It is not in your binder. <laughs> All right, sorry for putting you on the spot, Matt. Emily, do you want to read that? Do you have it, Matt Strayer? Okay. All right. In my brain, it's like getting kids in the car. Should we just like pray maybe before we jump into this? I'm going to let you do it. Guys, we will pray. Uh, God, we love you and we thank you for this day. And just, uh, man, I I think what a gift and a treat marriage is um, and how it has the capacity and the potential to really reflect your gospel uh, to those around us. And I know some marriages, like they would walk in the morning and be like, man, our marriage is awesome today, and that might change tomorrow, and it might be harder. It might be whatever the case is, God. I pray that we can just come in here uh, humbled, uh, impacted by your word, and just willing to work and grow in your word and in our marriages. your name we pray, amen. Amen. Okay, so Matt just read that. I'll, I'll reread it here in a second. But the reality is, is that uh, what typically culture says about sex is going to be different to some degree at least, than what God's word says about sex. And so I'll read this verse one more time, then we're going to do kind of a little compare and contrast. So so it says, Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Okay. So we're going to pause on that for a second. What I would love to do, though, is just spend a little bit of time saying, if you were to say, here's, based on my experience, what culture would say about sex, what would you guys say? So what messages, what uh, are you being kind of inundated with when it comes to culture, media, TV, social media, you, I mean, whatever the case is, what is culture saying about sex and, and what values does culture kind of <clears throat> lift up when it comes to sex? Yeah? There's nothing off limits. No, do whatever you want. Whatever you want with whoever you want. Yep, nothing is off limits. Great, give me a couple more more things that culture would potentially say. It's all about you and yourself. Oh, it's all about, about you. It is all about you. Yeah, do whatever makes you, 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 you happy. Yeah. It's your right. Yeah, it's, you're right. Yeah. yeah. The end goal. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's, it's like a home run. I mean, like it, it is the end goal, right? Yeah. I feel like culture would Yes. Yep. It's open for interpretation. Do what you want to do, how you kind of craft and, and what your ideals are. Totally fine. 
do maybe one more view of what about culture? culture views like married sex versus unmarried sex? That's, yeah, that's good. That's I mean, that's good. kind of obvious. Like married sex would be boring. Yeah. You need to try it before you yes. jump in. You need to test drive the car <clears throat> before you buy it, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I think we could probably keep going on this. I'm going to read this Hebrews 13 one more time. We're going to contrast it now. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. So we just talked about what culture says. Now, what is this one passage saying? Or what are you able to pull out of this verse that is different than what we just went over when it comes to culture? Yes. There is a standard. Yeah, so just the fact that there's a standard is different than what we just said, because there was no standard. You do whatever you want to do. Yeah. But when it comes to marriage, we look at marriage, there is a standard, right? And that standard is to keep the marriage bed pure. And the fact that marriage should be honored or esteemed over other relationships. Like, it matters. It's important. It's a big deal. And just the fact that it says keep it pure means that it can be made unpure. There's a lot of things that can defile biblical marriage, right? Which I think is a big deal. So that's kind of high level. There, there is a standard. If, if you were to kind of expand on that more, what would you say the standard or some standards should be based off of this one verse? Yeah. 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 So, so the marriage bed is to be kept pure, and there's a lot of implications of that. One of which is just don't put yourself in dumb situations that could potentially lead to something down the road that would not keep that pure. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one more thing that, that you kind of see from a practical standpoint that you could pull out of that text. I mean, the marriage bed should be kept here. So yes. It's like this implying the that there's marriage yes. before the marriage bed. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So it's guard kind of sex before one. marriage. Yep. Right. Yep. It's very important. Anybody have anything else? So God sets the standard, right? And it isn't up for us to try and tweak that, amend that, change that, whatever the case may be. It doesn't change over time or culture. Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so our, our culture now versus 50 years ago versus 200 years ago versus some other country, I mean, it's, it's God's standard. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Um, a couple more things that I would add, and, uh, like, my wife and I joke about this sometimes, but like continually be satisfied with your partner. And so I think, when, I remember us getting married when we were younger, we were what, 23 maybe? Probably, we didn't prep this part, I'm no, really interested is, to see what's is, coming out of your mouth here in a moment. 
it's just one of those things where it's like we were we were probably better looking 15 years ago and in better shape 15 <laughs> years ago. At least I was, right? Then now, that's probably going to be the case 15 years from now and 25 years from now. And the question becomes, especially for guys who are very visual, it's like, is my standard of beauty and is my standard of what I want in a partner and a wife, is my standard my wife? Or is it something that I saw on TV or something that happened you know, 20 years? No, it's like my standard always has to be my wife, whether I'm 23 or 83, and whether she's 23 or 83, right? It's and true. So, it's like that's a really fun thing uh, to just grow in and grow with and pray to God like help keep my kind of metric or you know ideal physical partner my my, my wife and, and nobody else yeah that's good I think to add to that too like to be visually stimulated stimulated you have to have something to look at which is a little awkward but you know yeah. I think sometimes that's awkward and it just it made me think of like the beginning of man I mean there's two naked people in the garden before the fall and I mean that was pretty easy and obvious to have that be the case and it's a little trickier now but I don't know I just want to add to that like the wife's yeah. part of that of yeah and, and this is thing, I, I think this is a little bit like uh, like conflict where generally speaking the man is more visually stimulated right there there, there might be exceptions so we're kind of going to kind of use generalities today but that's a great point. It's like, I am very visually stimulated, and I would rather be visually stimulated by my wife than by an image somewhere. And so that says two things. One, I gotta protect my eyes and what I look at, but then also encourages my wife, just like she said. Yeah. I think a recent example of that would be the Super Bowl halftime. <laughs> I don't know if anybody watched the Super Bowl halftime, but we all sat there and all of a sudden it started happening, and Matt's like, I'm gonna go check on the kids. You know, and so I just think, I mean, I watch you do, and you don't do it, you know, making a scene or anything. You just usually quietly walk out of the room, and I sit there like, this is really crazy that this got such great reviews. Anyways, that's a side note, but <laughs> that would be an example of something that you do well. Awesome. All right, let's uh, go on to the next passage. Give you a little bit of time since it's not in front of you. First Corinthians 7, 1 through 5. <laughs> Quick, fast flip. Can you read it? Where is it? It's right in the middle of your page. <laughs> it's right there. It's right there, Matt. It's right, right in the middle of your page. Is it? Oh, did I skip Proverbs? Oh, gosh, yes. <laughs> that one is in the binder. Very, very good. We totally never talked about Proverbs. That's like in the very bottom of our page. Yes. Which is leading to this stuff. Correct. Do you, do you want to read that? Sure. Messed that up. You're on it. Proverbs, what is it? 5, 15 <laughs> through 21. Right. Drink water from your own system. Water flowing from your own well. If your springs flow in the streets, streams of water in the public squares, they should be for you alone and not for you to share with strangers. Let your fountain be blessed and take pleasure in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful fawn, let her breasts always satisfy you. Be lost in her love forever. Why, my son, would you be infatuated with a forbidden woman or embrace the breast of a stranger? For a man's ways are before the Lord's eyes, and he considers all his paths. Awesome. Uh, I joke sometimes, and I don't know if this is TMI, but like, I kind of will casually like, I like my own cistern. He so said that, and I was like, this it's just not the most romantic thing you can say. <laughs> like, I love let's, my cistern! Let's just get it out there. I'm like, I get it, and I'm thankful that you do, but oh, it's a little, little bit. Oh, my little girl. This is great. <laughs> 
<laughs> he literally said uh, not that long ago, I do love my own sister. Uh, I'm like, Win some points and it didn't win. It didn't. <laughs> Still worked. Uh, I got the point. Yes. I was thankful. Yeah. No, but that that is just super. I mean, like we said earlier, like be content and overjoyed with the spouse that God has given you. Whether you're 23, whether you're 83, that's a huge, huge deal. Um, and just goes into a lot of the things that we just said as far as visuals and being content and happy with your spouse. So. Right. All right, now we'll do 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5. Do we know who wrote that proverb, Ben? Does anybody know? Does anybody know who wrote this? Solomon. I mean, he would be, him knowing his story would make that no. meaningful too. No. Because he didn't necessarily always drink water from his own sister. Yeah, so that's a great point. Do you want to expand on that a little bit? I don't, I mean... That's it. That's all I got. Okay. He had a lot of wives. Lots of them. Yeah, if there's anyone who didn't drink from his own cistern, like it could have potentially been Solomon, right? And for him to say. And then for him to kind of in it just, retrospect. Like the part about say, his youth. I don't um, know where that's at. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Christina. Yeah. We missed that one in our prep, so I thought that was a helpful and gave you time to flip to Corinthians. You want to have 1 Corinthians 7? You got them. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for men not to have sexual relations with women. But because of the temptation of sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights, and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that she may devote herself to prayer, but then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Awesome. So what are maybe some principles or things you pull out, out of this? I just want to make sure that we're kind of all on the same page here. We're going to continue to... Let God's word speak into how we handle the topic of sex. What specifically does this passage say or encourage us to do or not do? <clears throat> um, one man, one woman. Yep. Yep. So one man, one woman. Anything else you see? Yeah, do not deprive. And so it's kind of saying, like, your body is not your own. Do not deprive your spouse of sex. And I think one thing that's kind of in there as well, or at least you can maybe pull out of there, um, is you should be generous with sex towards your spouse. And like I said earlier, it should not be about you. It should not be about your fulfillment, about your feelings, about your emotions, about meeting your needs. It should be flipped. Like, how can I not deprive my spouse, not just deprive them, but seek to uh, be the giver of great things to my spouse when it comes to sex. So it's not about you. How can I uh, pleasure and uh, kind of get weird here, but how can I seek to give my wife pleasure versus how can I get something out of this? I think it's a big thing there. I think a way to go into it that's just helpful to remember is I love you instead of I love me. 
like that phrase kind of kept popping up in my head, just thinking as you go into it, I love you instead of I love me. And Sarah texted me a little bit, like you said this is like the thing that God has taught you a lot lately. Would you add anything to that? Or not necessarily, not to put you on the spot? <laughs> um, not necessarily lately, but okay. Any commentary to the? I feel like you have something you want me to well, add. Wasn't this where you're going to talk about um, praying, praying? Oh, maybe, maybe. Let me think about this. And, and like, just as Sarah's talking, like a way to serve your husband. It's kind of fun that it's like a fun way to serve your husband too. You know, it's um, it, it, exactly <laughs> like there's other ways. You know, you see, talk of the word serve as it being such like a. Eh. Yeah. Totally. Um, what Matt's referring to, and this does happen too. I had a friend tell me before I got married, she was like, Emily, she's a sweet friend. She's like, there's going to be a day that you're just going to have to pray about it. He's going to be getting closer and you're just going to have to pray about it. In and we dated, words, for, yeah. we dated for seven years yeah. and waited until we were married. So I am like, that is the weirdest thing that you've ever had to tell me. I'm like, that's never going to happen. And I remember the day that I was like, oh man, I just remember that conversation. I'm like, it, it came, like that day is here. And I am like not, I'm not, love language of touch is not one of my love languages. And I have five kids that have love language of touch, not all of them necessarily, but I just, I know as moms by the end of the day, there's times, at least for me, that I'm like, if everybody could just step back. I'm just gonna be here, just me for a little bit. And I, I mean, there's nights where I, you know, that happens. And I remember the night that I was like, all right, this is the weirdest prayer I've ever prayed. And it was God, like, I mean, I don't even know exactly what I said, but I, I mean, I've said it a few times since then. Um, I just like get my mind off of anything but my husband. I pray that, or it's like, just let me love him in a way. Just let me love him. Let me show him some love or just some quick prayer. And honestly, there, and this is me, and this is where it's our story, not necessarily everybody's, but there's never been a time where like two or three minutes later, I'm like still feeling like, oh Lord, please help me. You know, it's very quickly changes, but sometimes it's a moment of like, I just, I just kind of want to be left alone. But, and I think Matt, I would say this too, there's not often times that you ask just outright like, hey, you know, but I really try to say yes to every single time that he asks me. And that may be different in your marriage. Maybe he's asking a lot, but you need to talk about that. But I just think saying yes as much as you can is really helpful. 
And we know people that it goes the other way too, where you know it's the husband that's saying yes. That's maybe not quite as common, but um, yeah, I've never had to pray. Matt was. I told Matt this last night. He was like, "I've never prayed. I've never, I've never I've, prayed." I, I never had to pray. And that there's this, there's probably he's prayed prayers of thank you. Yeah. <laughs> there, there's probably uh, in your marriage. And for those of you who are engaged, you, you might find this. There's probably different sex drives that will manifest themselves, right? And so I, th I think it is. But this is encouraging is um, your body's not your own. Be generous with your spouse. And I think that's a good principle to kind of maintain. And she, she, you know, she's just her willingness and, and ability to do that and to pray. And, and I don't hate it. Let's just, let's just throw that out yeah. there, too. I want to say, too, and maybe this is a good time, there is, like, other physical benefits of sex. Yeah. <laughs> I have heard before that the best way that you can help your husband do his job well is to have a good sex life. And I was like, could that really be true? Um, we're not saying it's true. but it, We're not it, saying it it's true. But I would say that there are times, and this is our marriage again, but I'm like laying in bed and I'm kind of tired and had a long day or whatever, and Matt's like, turning and shifting and checking his phone and reading a book and he, he has a hard time getting to sleep sometimes just because his mind is moving, moving, moving. My mind just turns off in a moment whenever I want it to so let's just throw that out there. But I have laid there before and thought I could fix this problem in five minutes. Like it can take a long time if you want it to but it really doesn't have to. It can literally be a five minute thing and I don't know anything that, I mean you are sleeping faster <laughs> than <laughs> I mean, it just allows you to, you're, and there's times where you're like, that was the biggest stress reliever. Like, yeah. there's nothing else mm -hmm. that he could have physically done or mentally done or whatever that would have instantly just cleared your mind and just relieved some stress. So, yeah. there are lots of benefits to this just joyful activity that God yes. has given us. Yeah. One more thing I'll say about this before we move on to some fill in the blanks. Uh, it does say in here that sex can be withheld, right? And so, what, yeah. what is the basis for that? According to this text, for what reason can and should sex be withheld? Basically, it's like a fast. Yeah, like prayer and fasting. So something spiritual, not as a weapon, not because you did this or didn't do this, not because, well, if you would have, if you wouldn't have, like it isn't used as a weapon. And so men, women, do not use sex as a weapon. Yeah. Don't <clears throat> keep this kind of transactional, well, he did this, she did this, she didn't say this. Don't use it in that way. Yeah. It says, if it's to be withheld, it's for fasting and prayer, which that in and of itself can be an act or acts that draw you as a couple close together yeah. apart from sex, Yeah. not pull you apart. Yeah, I think to add to that too, and maybe you guys have something to add to that, but like I can't say that I've ever thought to myself, I'm withholding sex from you. Like I am not having sex because I am mad at you. But there's been times that there's tension in our marriage and I'm thinking in my, like, it's really hard for me to, like, commit my body to him when, like, my mind is, like, separate from him. Like, you would say that's different for you. You're like, I'm good, like, whenever. I mean, you're different in that way. I have a real hard time, like, letting my guard down if, like, there's tension between us. Um, so I wouldn't say that I've thought to myself I'm withholding this, but I am withholding it when I'm not resolving an issue. And I've thought to myself... I've learned this through marriage too, like it would help a lot if Matt would like break down that barrier for me, like if he would chase me down and whatever and ask me a hundred questions and figure this out, that would probably result in some more physical intimacy and that's helpful. Like you should 
I, I think we talk about it in a little bit here, like mm -hmm. do some of those serving activities. But I've also realized like you can flip that. Like you can just let your guard down and pray through that and just like let your guard down and f be physically intimate with each other. And the other part of it actually has followed pretty quickly. It lets a guard down and um, there's also been times where like I've committed to like a certain time period, you know, that would only go by before and like that forces me to like mentally be connected to you because I know that okay by tomorrow I'm gonna have to let my guard down and I can't do that very well until we're on the same page here. Um, so those can work together and I just know that sometimes one has to come for the other and sometimes someone has to give a little bit. So anyways, I don't know if that's helpful. All right, so let's fill in some blanks and kind of expand on, on some of these things. This the is just pulling. Sex fill in the blank. Yeah, this is, yeah, yeah. Never done that before. Yeah. This is just kind of expanding on some of these texts and, and others in God's word. But the first one is sex was God's idea. And so going back to even the, the portion mm -hmm. of Keller's chapter where he's like, sex is not thought of as, as, as dirty or as an appetite. Or, I mean, no, like God wasn't surprised that people started having sex. Like, oh my gosh, what do we, no, no. I mean, this was God's design. Right? And so just that fundamental truth, I think, is a huge, huge thing. Number two, sex is to be desirable and pleasurable. So sex is not simply a means to an end. That, oh, yeah, the, the point of sex is to, to procreate and to have a bunch of babies and populate the earth. Yeah, that's a benefit of it, but it isn't the sole purpose of it. I mean, God designed it to be desirable and pleasurable and to bring a couple together. And I think Keller said to act like that um, covenant cement, which I think is a great, great picture anything there it's so not helpful but it's raining through my head so it's he adds the commentary of it's the only created being that it's desirable and pleasurable it's not just like a means to an end you know it just we're dog sitting a dog this weekend and we had to explain to our kids that he's not hugging your leg and doing a funny dance look <laughs> <laughs> it grizzly's hugging us and dancing no he's not he's humping <laughs> oh, they were like, what? So it just, we are the only created being. Yes. It, God has uniquely designed that for us. Yes. That was, you asked me. If you wouldn't have asked me, I All probably right. would have kept that to myself. Fair enough. So sex he may not ask also again. serve a purpose, though. Sex is the expression of God's first commandment. So the be fruitful and multiply, it does allow that to happen, obviously. So in addition to being desirable and pleasurable and, and bringing a married couple closer together, it also does um, allow us to be fruitful and multiply and to have kids, which is great. Number four, in order for romance to deepen, you must touch the heart and mind of your wife before you touch her body. This might change for me personally. I have, uh, we've been married for almost you know, 14 and a half years. <coughs> I don't know if I will ever like turn down sex ever, or ever have to get in the mood. It's like, yep, I'm, yes, I'm in the mood, <laughs> right? Um, that's not the case though. I don't want to say for all women, but my wife and probably others. And so there are uh, things that I do, and and not as like a manipulative, seductive, like ooh, if I do this, then I can somehow. No, it's like I want to above all else serve and love my wife well. And so I'm going to do these things, serve, clean up, dishes, whatever the case may be. And I don't know if that's like, I don't want to call that foreplay, but that, that's probably a good thing as opposed to me just doing my own thing, 
and then boom, try to turn yeah. it on a moment's notice. Yes. I struggle a little bit with that one. And then it probably speaks more to men. That's probably true. But like I said before, I think it can go both ways too. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, so there are yes. other ways to connect to your spouse. So you're doing dishes in the kitchen, yeah. not just to do dishes in the kitchen. <laughs> no, no. You do a good job of doing yeah. the dishes. All right, great. Number five. Yes. Keep moving, babe. Sex is a bonding act. Talked about that one already a little bit. Talked about that one. I mean, there's there's certain things you can do in marriage that even if you're upset and tension is there and you've tried to resolve conflict and it's kind of resolved, that, that, that just completely disarm, at least me. Right, sex is one of them, prayer is one of them, reading God's word. I mean, just, there are certain things where it's like, okay, this puts things in perspective, this draws us closer together, this helps us bond, and now whatever I was mad about yesterday or the day before or 30 minutes ago doesn't seem to be that big a deal anymore. And so, yeah, and I like what you point out, Kristen, like it's, it's the, like the, the covenant cement. I mean, it's kind of like a vowel renewal ceremony. That's kind of how, how Keller phrased that, I think. So, all right, so as a couple, we do want to pursue oneness, so we got a few more fill in the blanks. Work together towards right expectations. Right expectations is huge. Like anything in marriage, get on the same page. I mean, communicate, talk about it. Anything from frequency to how to what, I mean, I think those are yeah. important. There's just nothing else I'd rather talk about than expectations in this. I mean, it's just, I could just think of through our marriage. I mean, from our wedding night, which I'm like, I don't even know if that counted. It counted. And Matt's like, it was amazing. I'm like, all right, fine. You know, that's fine. Um, two, I mean, we had, did we have five kids seven and under? I mean, I think our oldest was seven when our fifth was born. Um, I remember talking to an uh, almost married gal and she was asking us about birth control. She wanted to know about birth control and we were sharing our experience and we, we, had, we were using condoms at the time and um, I just didn't want my body to be on anything anymore and we didn't know a better option and so we're just using condoms and she's like, isn't that, what did she say, isn't that an interruption or isn't that an inconvenience maybe is what she said. And I'm like trying not to laugh. I'm like, maybe, but not as much as five kids, you know? <laughs> like, knocking on the door, our lock barely works. We're like, I hope that's locked. We have two that would know what's going on, three that would just be clueless. I mean, sometimes a sleeping baby in the bed. Um, so, like, that's huge. I mean, for yeah. me and for you. Yeah. On top of that, right, expectations about I mean, what's good, what's helpful, what's, I mean, there's issues I've had recently that are a little awkward, but I've had to talk to Matt about that and just to get that out there, just so there's right expectations and you've been patient with that. So, do you have anything to add for right expectations? You're like, I don't care. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you're, you're seeing a bit of our life here. It's, awkward it's so good. For the first time. Like it's even okay, good. Yeah. The first time you're just like, okay, we're going to talk about this. And it's awkward to be like, okay. Because you're not in it, you know? It's like you're clothed and on the couch. Like, it's so helpful to have those conversations and to clearly communicate your expectations and what you like and what you don't 
totally. Like, it feels awkward, but it's important. Mm -hmm. so and actually, yeah. It's weird. Mm -hmm. One of the best questions maybe to start with, that is a little awkward, but it's probably the most helpful is how often. What's your expectation about how often? You might be like, oh, that's why this is tension because I had no idea that was your how often and that's my how often. That would be a good expectation question. I don't know if anybody else has any other ones. Do you have any other? And I, I mean, once again, bigger picture than just sex. It's like, how do I serve and love my spouse well? And so for me personally, it's like, I mean, I'm fairly simple. It's like, uh, be for me and have sex with me. It's true. Yeah. And I don't want to like oversimplify things, but it's like, that would really go a long ways in form for me personally. Whereas Emily. Before you in life is what correct, you're saying. Correct. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm on your team. Yes, yeah. I'm not questioning what you're doing. Yeah. I'm like, I'm on your team. I'm yeah. cheering whereas, you on. I'm a cheerleader. That's not, not be, sex related. Those would not be Emily's things. No. <laughs> They might, it would, yeah, but, but it's, but they're it's, not bad things. Yeah, but it's up to me to be like, okay, okay, so, so how do I just, bigger than, than marriage, or bigger yeah. than sex, how do I love and serve my wife well? Yeah. So, yeah, cool. that's good. Uh, eliminate Keep sin, going. number two, which produces shame. And so, so this can be a handful of things. Yeah, I was confused about this. I was like, what are you talking about, eliminate sin? You, you explained that but, to I me, mean, that's I, helpful. There's, I think especially young couples, you can bring baggage in, into a marriage, right? And try not to suppress, I mean like, get that out there, talk about that, have that out in the open and resolve that. Um, talk about, or talk with somebody who can help you see how, how the gospel covers that, right? But I also think in the context of marriage, there, there's things that we can do behind the scenes, looking at stuff, thinking about stuff, whatever the case may be, that, that can uh, not create true unity in a sexual bed. Right, and so eliminate that stuff. You just don't have it be a part of your thing. Right? I think that's that, that, that's huge. Um, uncover sources of conflict. Number three. This is kind of just a summary, but I mean, we talked about communication <coughs> earlier, right? Like talk openly about everything, whether it's in regards to sex or something else. I mean, communicate, communicate. Your wife or your spouse should know what you're thinking, what you're doing, what you're feeling, and vice versa. Privacy. Uh, there are certain things that's great to bring other people into, right? And there are certain things that it's great to be more general about. Like you don't need to share every single small detail with your coworker or with somebody else. And there are certain things that, yeah, you probably keep this between you two, which I think is great. Selfishness. Once again, you mentioned this earlier, but marriage is not about you being loved, but about you giving love. And so how do I have the other person's best interests in mind? And interestingly, it shouldn't be your motive, right? But interestingly, when, when you do that well, like you reap rewards. I mean, when both couples try to outdo the other, it's a cool thing, both in sex, but then also just in marriage in general. I think that's a big thing there. And we talk about expectations, right? Um, that more than anything else, I think, for, for our marriage, not just with sex, but everything in general, I feel like when we have accurate expectations, we're on the same page, things are awesome and smooth, we're, you know, we're for each other, things just run well. I feel like when we have different expectations, that's when we start to butt heads and there starts to be tension. And so talk about those things, communicate. Expectations are huge, talk about them, right? Yeah. Um, once again, physical intimacy is only healthy in the context of marriage. Right, everywhere else it can be so dangerous and uh, 
I've known people who have either had affairs or their spouse has, and in every single situation, I said, I, I never thought that it would get this far. I mean, it isn't like you're hanging out with somebody and, oh, I like this person, let's take off our clothes and have sex. Yeah. I mean, it, it always starts with something small, typically, and then if not addressed and if not killed and if not talked about, then it progresses and progresses and progresses and progresses until finally you're like, what, what in the heck is going on? Well, yeah. the last six months have led to this, but you just didn't shut it out and stop it yeah. and talk about it. Do you have any like super simple things that you do or don't do that help discourage your heart from that? Yeah, um, I think there, you know, there's a handful of things. I think uh, having a group of people you can talk about stuff with, so whether it's guys in your connection group, gals in your connection group, whatever the case may be, or at least close friends who, hey, I'm struggling with this, pray for me today. I think that, that's huge. Spending time in God's Word, I mean, that, that for me personally, like I feel like when I do that and pray well, or, or, or often or, or frequently, it's like, Things just seem to run more smoothly, and I seem to be less tempted in all areas of life. And for whatever reason, when that isn't going as well, it's, why do temptations pop up more? Well, they probably don't pop up more. I just notice them, and then I'm more drawn to them, yeah. I think. Um, were you going to say something? No. Oh, are you going to say anything else? Yeah. yeah. So uh, another thinking. thing, just like I think it depends on like computers, I mean, just be careful, guys, especially those of you who are visually stimulated, just be careful of what you watch and set clear boundaries there. I think that's huge. Talk about it. You know, like anything you're, you're doing in, in secret where like, oh gosh, if somebody saw me right now, it'd be really bad. Like that's probably not a good thing to be doing. Um, and it's easy to, to say that, right? But bring other people into that. Bring close friends into that. Bring uh, people who you trust into that. Like, man, I'm really struggling with blank. Can you pray for me? Can, I, can you hold me accountable? Can you encourage me? Can you spur me on? So, what are some things I'd say? Yeah. Did you I have would, something in mind? Well, I, I mean, I would never see you giving a ride home to a girl. Or, I mean, if you, were talk, if you have a meeting with a girl in your office, your door would be open. I mean, just simple things like that that, I mean, maybe for you, you think of it more as just protection from the way something looks, but it would also protect you from that. I would say for me, like, I really enjoy hanging out with a group of guys. Like, I enjoy hanging out with Matt's friends and... I have really great friends that are guys, but just knowing that, like for me, it might, it's probably gonna be like an emotion, it would be an emotional connection before it would be anything physical. Um, so I just have to be aware of that. I, I mean, if I have to ever have to text a guy, like one of Matt's friends or someone on staff or whatever, for whatever reason, a lot of times I'll just text him and his wife at the same time. I mean, even if it has nothing to do with her. Um, just cause I, I, that just makes me feel like it's just not a secret or something like that. Um, I did just listen to a gal uh, talk about a testimony of just feeling a connection f with a coworker that she had um, that it kind of did that. It like was nothing at first and it kind of started spiraling into something and she gave the phrase, say the last two percent. So a lot of times even the most open people will talk about, you know, all this kind of stuff but they won't say the last two percent. And she said, I, I stopped my friend and I told her, I was like, I'm having an attraction towards this guy at work. I don't know why, I don't know how it happened, I don't know how I got here. Um, and she said, as soon as I said it, as soon as the words came out of my mouth, I never felt attracted to him again. So even just the fact that it came out into the light, I just think that the enemy can work when things are in the dark and you're ashamed of them and they're quiet. Um, but just finding some, you know, someone who's godly that you can trust to just say something to, to stop those things before they get out of control. 
man, guys, it's so worth it. I like my fear today. I just was like, I don't want to share a ton of stories because I know they're just our stories, but like, it's such, it's so important. It's such a big part of marriage. It can be such a gift to both of you. And but it's it, you have to work at it. You know, that's the thing is, it's not always right. I mean, there's times where it's awkward. There's times where it ends when it's not supposed to end, and it's like the kid walks in or. I mean, yesterday, yeah, I, you don't need all those stories. Yeah. <laughs> yesterday, I'm like, you share. I would totally <laughs> tell you so many stories. I mean, we literally packed sick snow clothes on five kids when it was, what, four degrees out? I'm like, get outside. Let's, let's send them outside. They'll be outside for at least 15 minutes. You know, and it's like, you just do that stuff. And you kind of work on that in your marriage, and it gets a little trickier when you have kids and stuff. But it is, it is very worth it. So, I'm anyways. There. Are you all red, babe? Yeah, Sweaty. <laughs> you are? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I keep fighting for marriage, big picture. Yeah. Keep fighting for sex within marriage, right? Um, don't let sin or conflict or lack of expectations or unmet expectations <laughs> or whatever the case is erode that. I mean, it is such a such an important part of marriage and a fun part of marriage if protected and if done well and according to God's plan versus your own expectations or your own preferences, right? So that's huge. Let's throw it out, babe. Yeah, great. So uh, I have a, f here's the thing. We, we have 20 minutes, and I have quite a few different ways we could end this. Um, first of all, does anyone have any questions over what we just covered? Or any questions over the topic that we just covered that you feel comfortable asking in front of 30 of your closest friends? Man, so here's, here's what I would say to the engaged couples in the room. Uh, two things. One is it is worth it to wait. I guess three. It is worth it to wait if you have not, like if you've had uh, sex before marriage with your current fiance or girlfriend or whatever, um, stop. And, and don't feel so guilt where you're like, oh my gosh, I've ruined everything. No, I mean, God's grace can cover that, right? Um, but just be mindful, like from this moment on, until if you're married, do everything you can to be sexually pure. Another thing that I would just say, practically speaking, and this is, like, don't put yourself in dumb situations. So when Emily, we dated for seven years, like that's a long time, okay? That's a long time to be tempted. And we put ourselves in a few dumb yeah, situations. Yeah, and there were like, I'll, I'll give you a couple. Like, you, I mean, there, there was a handful of times where, where I tucked Emily in. I was like, that was stupid. Seems so elementary. Like Emily would get her pajamas <laughs> on, and I'd go and tuck her in. It's like it didn't, it's probably it lasted harder to longer be pure longer. in this context than it would have been if I would said, "All right, have a good night, see ya." Yeah. I mean, so so just watch the situations that you put yourself in. Yeah. And it can seem like I mean, and you can whisper lies in your head. Well, we're gonna get married anyways. You know, this is gonna be fine in a handful of weeks or months. And so just don't don't believe any of that stuff. Um, and just realize, like, it is worth it. It is super fun. And I just remember, she, she, she questions the validity of the first night. I was like, that was awesome! <laughs> right? But I, yeah. I just remember, like, this, this was so worth it. And, and just to add to that, like, you got a lot of time to figure it out. You know what I mean? Like, and such a great thing that it's in the safety of a marriage. 
you know, that you don't have to wake up the next morning and be like, oh my word, he's never coming back. You know, like, this is all you got, so <laughs> we gotta figure this out. <laughs> and uh, I mean, honestly, it, it, and it, it, it was weird too, like, uh, just thinking about, I mean, practically speaking, uh, we got married on New Year's Eve of 2005. So on New Year's Eve at eight o'clock in the morning, it wasn't the right thing to have sex with my future wife. Yeah. But then, by midnight. 12 hours later, like it was, it's hard it was to off. switch. It was just mm -hmm. one of those things. It was like, this, I mean, this and so for for the first couple months or I mean, it was just like, we were just kind of like, like this is okay now. Like this is this is really fun now, and this is this is what God's design has been, and we're seeing the fruit of that played out in this context. Versus, had could we not waited? So. Why did you wait seven years? So we dated. Yeah. So we dated. That's a great question. Nobody got married before college was over. Like that was just so what we, we got, thought. We we did it. We were high totally would have done it different. Um, and she she played basketball in college, and she she redshirted, so she played. She was in college for five years. I graduated, and then uh, we we got engaged. Like your last year of school, right? Yeah, we did it too long. Is the answer to the question? Yeah, yeah. we should have gotten married earlier. Yeah. I didn't know sure. you could do that. I don't. I mean, I just that was weird to me. Yeah. I was just like, you finish college and then you get married, and I would totally change that. See, back in our day, like they wanted you to get married. But, yeah. 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 But I remember we wanted. And I think that's shifting a little bit, maybe too. Like a year engagement, your parents were like, oh no. Yeah. Oh yeah, we would we would have done things. That, I mean, we wouldn't have been engaged for as long. We wouldn't no. have been for so long. We how young? How old were you when you got married? Me? Yeah. Nineteen. Okay. Yeah. Anything else? Anything else? All right. Here's what I would love to spend a little bit of time doing: is you've had now, if you've been here for four weeks of gospel center marriage, right? So roles, responsibilities, communication, conflict, finances, money, and then sex. And my guess is that whether you're engaged or married, whether you've been married for a month or a long time, is that some of these things are more hot button issues. Or like, yeah, gosh, well, we gotta pay attention to that. And some of them are like, no, that, that's going great. So I would love for you to just think back over the course of the four weeks that we've been together. And I would love if you would say, okay, so the biggest application or the biggest take home for me personally in the context of our marriage is blank. So of all the content that we've covered, what's the thing that hits you or encourages you or spurs you on or challenges you the most? And then share that with your spouse. Does everybody have a spouse here? Does everyone have <clears throat> someone here? You, you can come hang out with us. If yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Maggie. Yes. So you can yeah, think about it. Yeah. And, and, Should yeah. we do it table-wise or just well, spouse-wise? Do it. Uh, Is there a, there's at least a couple better. Okay. Here's what we'll do. Share at your table. You don't have to go into, like, deep detail, right? So sh think about that. Share at your or you table. Or can. These people but then love if, you. Yeah. But They're then if you. there's a... Uh, if, if there's more to digest there than you're able to share at your table, then talk about it with your spouse later. Okay? So biggest take home from the class, <clears throat> think about. All right, I'm going to cut you guys off here for a couple minutes, and then you can keep talking if you'd like. Um, I'm going to try to say a handful of things that I think are relevant and important, but I want to pray for us at the end. Uh, the first one is just, first of all, thank you for doing this. I know some of you are engaged, some of you are married, newly married, some of you have been married for 
longer than newly married, right? Um, but the fact that you are invested in and caring about either your future marriage or your current marriage, I think is huge. And uh, I think one of the, the biggest mistakes that people make is just kind of neglecting their marriages over time. And then over time, this happens. And then you fast forward five, 10 years, like, you're not who I married and you're not who I married. And why, why don't we have anything in common? Like, why, why are we so different? And, and why is everything we do just like transactional roommate type stuff as opposed to, no, like you're my favorite person, my best friend, and I like you a lot, right? And so continue to pour into and invest in your marriage or your future marriage, no matter what stage you're at. I think that, that is a huge thing. Here's the thing, you're gonna have ups and downs in marriage, right? You're gonna have some awesome days, weeks, months, you're gonna have some ones where there's just tension and, and things happen. You're like, why, why can't we get past this? Um, I think it's so easy to look at other couples if, if you're somewhat distanced from people and be like, man, their marriage is perfect and their marriage is perfect and they have it together and they're always smiling and we suck. Like, I think it's easy for people to kind of believe that lie a way to combat that is get around other couples because you will quickly learn that they're not perfect either. And so I want to just encourage you, if you're not in a connection group, that's a good starting place to at least get around other couples and open God's word together and pray together. And so for those of you not in one, we would love to help you get in one. Um, I think that that's, that's key because then you get to do life with people and you're like, yeah, I'm going through this, you're going through this, pray for us here, encourage us here, and, and that's a great place to start. Um, I would also say there's a, for, for a, a very unique group of people, uh, there's a couple in our church, the Fergusons, who really love and care for, what are they, 60-ish? Better not say older than that, because they're older than you will be, right, if, if you're newly married, probably. But they really love and just care for newly married couples. So kind of, you get married pre-kids, somewhere in, in that range. If that is you and you're not connected, we would love to, one, get connected, but two, that, that, that's a great option. There's a, who's in that? You guys are in that, aren't you? No? No? Is there somebody in here who's in that connection group? No? Okay. Whatever. It is. Okay, great. So there are, yes. So, if that is you, talk to either myself or Sarah. We can get you connected with, with yeah, that couple. Like like yes. Yes. Yeah. The the first time that I ever met them was I don't know probably a year or <coughs> two ago down in our uh, commons area, and. It, it wasn't small talk. It was like, hey, how you doing? It was like, hey, uh, do you guys have anyone who does young married couple stuff? Um, could we do that for you? And, it, and like, they, they're so passionate about that and so care about that demographic that they want to help. So they'd be a great resource for you. So we want to help you get in a connection group and or their connection group potentially. But don't do this, this stuff alone. I think it's, it's so key. It's so vital. It's so fun. And maybe marriage and kids more than anything are going to sanctify you. <laughs> and God's going to use those experiences, the good times, probably more so the bad times, and the trials and the struggles to bring you closer to each other and to make you more like his son, Jesus Christ. And so don't neglect that, right? Would you add anything just in life or marriage in general, Emily? You got any closing comments? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, you, do you have anything in two minutes? Go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have anything? Okay.
Yeah, so I'm going to pray for us. Big blanket statement. If there's any area of conflict or tension or whatever, and you can't, for whatever reason, get past that, like you're saying, our elders, our elders' wives, your connection group leaders, any one of them would be a great resource. And so address. Yeah, so, yes, you should try to find us on a Sunday morning. No, uh, here's what I would do first. If, if you have a good connection group leader or if you're in a connection group, I'd go to them first. Or even you can just say, hey, uh, can, can we get together with an elder or something? And typically, if you're in a connection group, you have an elder and a wife who kind of helps oversee that. That'd be a great place to start. I mean, yeah, otherwise, myself, Sarah, yeah, yeah. You can come talk to me and I can connect you with, with people. All right, guys, I want to pray for us and with us here and close us out. Uh, God, I'm so thankful for these men and women, uh, whether they're engaged, newly married, or have been married for a handful of years, maybe even longer. God, I just thank you that they have at least some interest and some desire as far as what your word says about marriage and how to best apply that in their lives. God, I know marriage sometimes can be incredible and awesome, like this is the best thing ever. And then other times uh, there's tension and conflict, and you're wondering how much longer this is going to go on as far as tension conflict goes, and when can we resolve this, God? And we know you want to make us more like your son, and you use marriage to refine us and to sanctify us and to make us more like you, God. And so we're thankful for that, Lord. I pray for the couples in here um, who where, where there, there is tension, there's unresolved conflict, uh, for whatever reason, not on the same page. God, I pray that you would, first and foremost, have them be completely open and surrendered to you and your spirit and your influence in their lives and then secondly just have a strong desire give them a strong desire to love and to serve their spouse god i pray for the engaged couples in here um, who are getting married here in the coming months lord lord i pray that you would uh just help them with sexual purity god um, i pray that uh, their wedding day can just be everything they've ever dreamed of. But more important than that, I pray that their marriage will be deeply grounded and rooted in you and your word, that it will reflect the gospel to those around them, and that they will grow closer to you and to each other in the months and years to come. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, guys. Go fight, win.